If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Colossians chapter 3? Colossians chapter 3. The text I really want to bear down on is verse 13. I'll take a little bit of time to give the context of this passage before we get to uh, bear down too much on this. But I want to talk about forgiving others as Christ forgave you. Um, i got to admit that... uh, When I first started reading my Bible, and that was not until my late 20s, that uh, I was really surprised as I started reading the Bible and I learned about love. And the royal law in James 5, 8 says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So I figured, okay, if I'm tough on myself, I'm going to be tough on my neighbor. If I'm easy on myself, I'm going to be easy on my neighbor. I was using, I'm the standard. But then, I read Philippians 2 that says, Love thy neighbor better than thyself. And then I read John 13 that says, Love my neighbor as Christ love. So God keeps raising the high jump bar, and I haven't cleared 5.6, and it's already raised to 5.9. I haven't raised, cleared 5'9", but it's already been raised to 6 foot. You got it? Well, it's the same way with forgiveness. When he says, forgive as you forgive others. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Isn't that the language in the Lord's Prayer? But this one raises the high jump bar again. And it says, forgive as Christ has forgiven you. I kind of like it when I'm the standard. It's a little bit higher bar when it's Jesus the standard, isn't it? So let me read the passage, and then I'll double back and get the context here. But what I'd like to read now is Colossians 3, 12 through 15. This is the first of three kind of sections of commands. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man hath a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let peace of God rule your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful." Forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. <clears throat> I'm going to go back to my early conversion one more time. And uh, many of you know my background. I was raised uh, Roman Catholic. And I started reading my Bible earnestly for the first time in my late 20s. And I heard these songs like, Jesus paid it all. And I kind of like that because I had a finance background. I worked at a bank, investment banking, for about 20 years. That kind of language hit home, just like if I was to do a parable on farming and you were a farmer, that would hit home with you, a little extra special than it would with me. And I sang these songs, and I think I shared with you, as I started reading my Bible, I was back up in Detroit, and I started going through the Yellow Pages. And I'd go to a church on Sunday morning and another one on Sunday night and another one on Wednesday. And I did that for over a year. 
And in my mind, again, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I didn't know the Bible. I'm thinking like a banker, okay? And I'm reading the Bible and I'm seeing all these financial terms like bought and paid and redeemed and ransom and debt and made surety. These are all Bible terms. I go, I know what that means. I know what that means. But I'm hearing the doctrine <clears throat> and what I was grew, grew it's, it's not like I had this huge debt. And the way I grew up was Jesus didn't come along and just pay off the whole debt. I got myself in the jam, and he says, oh, you're having a little time with trouble with July? Okay, I'll make the July payment. You pick it up again in August and keep on going. That's not Jesus paid at all, right? Or, or, or maybe... I'd go to a church and I'd hear something and you got this great big debt and I'm going to pay 90% of it and you got to pay that last 10% with a faith payment. That's not paying at all. And then I realized Jesus paid it all. So I was going along and finally I stumbled on a church that preached grace and I go, he did pay it all. Praise the Lord. And you're smiling and you're nodding and you're going, this is a nice message, isn't it? The message here is for you and I today, how does that hit our shoe leather? leather? And how do you forgive your spouse? Do you forgive it all? Or do you forgive it for July and they got to pick it up again in August? Huh? Do you forgive 90% of it, but you're waiting for that last 10% payment to come in? Are, are you doing, how does that work? So we need to forgive, and it's just not our spouse, it's our children, it's our parents, our coworkers, our neighbors, the clerk at the hardware store, you know, it's, it's everybody. Forgive as Christ forgave. I, mean, I like it when I'm the standard, but Jesus is our standard, not me, and not yourself. So let us go through this. Now I got a confession to make. <clears throat> I had another sermon in mind. Matter of fact, I got the notes in my, but I put it away yesterday. Because I thought we had a really good Bible study on Wednesday. And we read some passages in scriptures, and we're going to read the same passages today. When we were looking at it from on, on, um, on Wednesday, I was really stressing the point of collateral. How many times when, when, when a father was unable to pay a debt and he died, that the children were taken as collateral? And I was doing a parallel to the sin debt we have through Jesus Christ, and that was my emphasis on Wednesday. But today, my emphasis as I go through these is I want to look at the forgiveness side of it. I want to really bear down on that. So forget the usury, forget the collateral. Let's talk about the forgiveness side of it. And the first passage I'd like to read is in Matthew 18. It's going to sound familiar if you were here on Wednesday, but let's read Matthew 18. It's kind of a lengthy passage. But Jesus is having a conversation with, G- with Peter, and he's trying to teach Peter a lesson in forgiveness. Peter just doesn't quite get it. So he gives him this story. This is a, a parable, a make-believe type story. In Matthew 18, let me start reading at verse 21. <clears throat> Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall, um, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? And Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but seventy times seven. And no, that's not saying, okay, on 491 you can lay the boom on him. That's not what he's teaching. 
He's teaching a bond of perfection. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto certain kings, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought to him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had to make payment. Now on Wednesday night, we were focusing on this verse, the selling of the children, human collateral, okay? But that's not what we're talking about today. We'll, we'll focus on another part of this parable. 25, for as much as he had not to play, his Lord commanded him to be sold. Okay, verse 26. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me. I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Okay, now what he did here is he didn't say, I'm going to help you with July. He didn't say, I'm going to give you a 90% discount. He said, the debt is gone. It's completely gone. And, and when Jesus is, you know, sometimes when I'm sitting at home and, and, and even especially when the kids were really young, I would use ridiculous extreme scenarios to try to prove my point. Well, that's what Jesus, a, thou, a talent is a thousand, okay? A pence is a hundredth, Okay? So we're going to read about two people, one that owes 1,000 or 10,000 talents, which is like $10 million. And we're going to read about someone that has 100 pence. A pence is a hundredth. That's $1. Okay, $10 million to $1. Do you see the extreme Jesus is describing? I just forgave you $10 million debt. You go, wow, $10 million. I would never be able to pay $10 million. You got it? But I promise to pay it. I can promise all I want. I can't pay $10 million. Okay, if I take all my life's earnings, past, present, and future, I don't think it adds up to $10 million. Okay? So, he was moved with compassion and he loosed him, verse 28. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. A pence is a hundredth. A hundred pence, that's one dollar. One dollar. He's going to throw his buddy, his co-worker, in jail for a dollar. This seems like an extreme. Well, if you really sit down and think about what Jesus Christ has forgiven you, Versus your wife not putting the cap on the toothpaste tube. Or whatever it is. You understand? Or that person that cut you off on the road. Compared to everything Jesus forgave you. That's like one to ten million dollars. Okay? But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. A hundred hundredths, which is one. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. I've got to buy me a Snickers bar. I'm just putting it in perspective. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not. But he went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Okay. <clears throat> And I always scratch my head. I don't understand that system. 
why would you throw someone in jail that owed you money? How much money do you earn in jail? How can you earn money in jail? You know what he's relying on? A good relative. And that's what Jesus relied on when we were thrown in jail because of Adam. A good relative, a big brother named Jesus. Amen? Okay. So we come down to verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw that was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, ten million dollars, because thou desired me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And this Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now, now again, <clears throat> I want you to go back and, and try to picture this Bible illiterate 27-year-old several decades ago reading scripture and seeing all these financial terms and running across these things and trying to understand Wow, the mercy that God showed. Do you understand? And looking for a church that actually preached that kind of mercy. Boy, when you find it, when you appreciate, when you finally get it, you're never going to settle for anything else. You don't want anyone to just cover July for you. Okay? Verse 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, He says, okay, I just told you this parable about these creditor with two people that owed money, and we went through all this rigmarole, Peter. You understand the principle? Now, this is the lesson for you, Peter. My Father do also unto you, if you forgive, I mean, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one of his brother their trespasses. Man, there should be a whole lot of mercy being flowing around this earth, isn't there? But there's not. There's not. Matter of fact, not only is it around the earth, it's not in our homes. It's not in our marriages like it should. It's not in our workplaces. Okay, let's go to another passage. Okay, just in case you didn't get it, let's go to Nehemiah 5. We read about Nehemiah 5 on Wednesday too. Again, that focus was putting human collateral, selling kids to cover the debt of a father, but that's not our focus today. Our forgive, forgive, is the forgiveness. Now, I'm gonna, let me tell you how this is, because the parable was more straightforward than what we're reading in Nehemiah. In order to understand what's going on in Nehemiah, I'd have to go back to chapter 1 and chapter 2. Judah had been brought into bondage under Babylon, and they'd been under that bondage for 70 years. When they were overrun, they were taken up and their lands and their possessions were all taken away. Their earning assets were all taken away. And you read in Nehemiah 1, Nehemiah, he's praying to God and he's fasting and he's repenting. And God says, I'll have mercy on them and I'll bring them back home. So he brings a lot of these people back home and they get their lands and their homes back and they can start growing stuff. And then you know what happened? Some people were having a tough time. They were borrowing money simply to pay their taxes and buy food for their children. And the Jews that were lending them money weren't getting payment 
And you know what he's, you know what Nehemiah, Nehemiah got angry at him. He got angry at him just like the creditor in Matthew 18. He says, God has shown you so much mercy, you were in bondage, carried away to another place. He brought you back, gave your, your lands back, and now you're taking the lands from your brethren. It's the same lesson. You forgive as you've been forgiven. Let's read the passage. Okay, Nehemiah, 8, Nehemiah 5, verse 1. And there was a great cry of the people and their wives against the brethren, their Jews. For there were that said, we, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore, we take up corn for them that we may eat and live. Some also there were that said, we have mortgaged our lands, our vineyards, our houses that we might buy corn because of the dearth. There were also that said, we have borrowed money for the king's tribute. That's the taxes that upon our lands and vineyards. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as the children, and lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants, and some of our daughters are brought into bondage already, neither is it in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and our vineyards. You know what these people were saying? These, these, these Jewish people that mortgaged everything, their kids were taken away, their lands were taken away, we can't pay you back. We don't have any lands that we can grow produce to even try to pay you back. Do you understand that? They didn't even have the earning power to do it. I don't want to call your children assets, but to a farmer, your children are assets. You're your workers. They were taken away and the lands were taken away. There was no chance. It's like asking a guy in prison to pay back a debt. You can't do it. And Nehemiah gets angry at him in the next couple verses of this. He says, guys, you don't get it. God showed you so much mercy giving you your lands back. Can't you do the same for your brethren in the church? They wanted to work. They were willing to work. It was just all stripped from them. Amen? And he really got angry. And as you read the rest of this passage, he got back. So let's go towards the end of this. <clears throat> and he says, listen. <clears throat> you've taken away their earning assets, give it back. You're charging them interest, erase that part of it. And this is what happened. Verse 12. And they said, we will restore them and require nothing of them. The conscience was pricked, right? So will we do as thou sayest. Then I called the priest and took an oath of them that they should do according to this promise. Also, I shook my lap and said, So God shake out every man from his house and from his labor that performeth not this promise, even to thus be shaken out and emptied. And all the congregation said, Amen, and praised the Lord, and the people did according to this promise. In other words, you know what the promise was? We're going to forgive like we've been forgiven. You know, there's, there's ways we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And there's a whole list of things listed that way we, one way we grieve the Spirit is when we lie. One way we grieve the Spirit was when we commit fornication. But do you know there's one way you grieve the Spirit is when you don't forgive your brother? You go, wow. But I'm mad. They don't deserve to be forgiven. Newsflash, neither did you. Amen? Okay. Let's keep on going here. So we're talking about 
debts and we're talking about collateral and we're talking about forgiving debts and money and, and, and those payments and, and all that kind of stuff. This is nothing more than an analogy for sin. And this one makes it pretty clear. Let me read in Luke chapter 7. I'm going to start reading at verse 41. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. Now, I'm going to stop here for a second. I just had a thought. This is one of the first messages I think I've ever preached here. This is actually even before I was your pastor. I was an invited speaker and I spoke, and the title of it was, this is an old sermon, probably close to 20 years old, 46 past tense verbs. Right? You remember that one? And, and God is so genius that you're thinking, okay, you're next banker, and you're getting all in all these financial terms. Well, did you know if you had a law background, you know how many law terms he used? Pardoned? Yes. Did you know if you were in medicine, do you know how many medical terms he used? Healed, right? Did you know if you were a truck driver, he used truck driving terms, amen? Did you know if you were a four-year-old little girl, he used four-year-old little girl terms, put away your sins? Do you think she's ever been told to put away her toys? Do you understand? God used all these terms. So I'm reading this Bible and I go, he's speaking to me. No, he's speaking to all of us with all of our diverse backgrounds. So here's another finance one. Here's a creditor with two debtors. Sounds like I'm working on the credit department at the bank that owed 500 pence, the other 50, like a 10 to 1 ratio. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love the most? And Jesus was sitting at a table with this uh, Pharisee. The Pharisee's name was Simon. They were eating this great big banquet, and a woman came and started washing the feet behind Jesus. And Simon's looking at this Jesus, and Jesus is say, he's saying to Jesus, if you were any kind of prophet whatsoever, you would never let this no-account woman even touch you, let alone wash and kiss your feet. So he has this conversation with him. And he said, okay, look at these two people, one owed 50, one owed owed 500, one owed 50. Simon answered, and I suppose that he who he forgave most. And he said to him, thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered in thy house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman has been kissing my feet and hasn't stopped. Thou gavest me no oil for my head, but she's anointed my feet. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. See, this, all this financial terms is nothing more than a great big metaphor talking about your sin debt. So, it's embarrassing, but if I sat here and I tried to do a little videotape of this past seven days, and I'm trying to think every time I got angry or mad or frustrated with somebody else, how long did it take me to forgive? And when I did forgive, was it this 90%? Was it this is just for July? Or was this complete forgiveness like Christ forgave me? 
And I'm, 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 a, I'm embarrassed. Hopefully on Saturday, when late on Saturday, I put the sermon that I had in mind for today aside and I picked this one up. Maybe I did it for a couple hours. But guess what? I got up angry this morning. Something happened. I can get angry at some, just someone parking behind me. I'm going to church. How dare someone park behind me? Isn't that a dastardly deed? Yeah. It's enough to throw you off your rails so you can't preach on Sunday morning, isn't it? How childish are we? Okay, let's, 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 let's see what else we have. Okay. All right, you knew I was going here. Let's go to the Lord's Prayer. But I really want to focus on the two verses after the Lord's Prayer. Okay, let's read the Lord's Prayer. God even put this concept in the model prayer. This is not something, it's okay if you say this prayer, but this is not something we're just supposed to, with vain repetitions, we say it over and over and over where it becomes meaningless. It's kind of an outline of things for you to cover in your prayer. Maybe you pray one day and you cover only half of them. Maybe you cover the first three. Maybe you cover the last three. This is just a suggestion for things you can pray for. Okay? But after this manner, therefore pray ye. He didn't say after these words. He said after this manner. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. There it is. Right there in the model prayer, the principle we're talking about. But actually, I'm cranking it up today, aren't I? Because I'm not the standard. Jesus is the standard. I want to be forgiven unlike I forgive other people. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then I, I, I stress this every time I read the Lord's Prayer. Do you know how many bullet points are in the Lord's Prayers of things we could possibly pray for? I think there's at least a dozen. Of the dozen things we can pray for in our lives, guess which one Jesus said, I know you're going to have a tough time with this one, so let me expound on it. You know which one he did? The forgiveness. He knew we wouldn't have trouble being reminded to give us our daily bread. We got that one down cold, amen? But the forgiveness, he knew it. So, so he said, by the way, one of these points, you're going to forget. It's not going to come naturally to you. You're going to have to force yourself. Four, if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. In other words, he went back to verse 12 and he expounded upon it. Now again, we're talking about in a natural realm, in an eternal sense, Jesus did pay for it and they are gone. Amen? Okay. We go one more. Okay. <clears throat> did you know that a lack of forgiveness can actually inhibit your prayers? Did you know that? You can pray for, Lord, please help the church. Lord, please... Help it grow. Please bring in visitors. Help us to be ready to answer. Help us to give us the hope that's within us and share it in a loving and a compassionate manner. Lord, these are all good godly things. But did you know if you're unforgiving, the Lord, those are stumbling blocks to your prayers, even though they're good godly things? Verse 20. This is Mark 11. 
And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw a fig tree dried up by the root, from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursedest is withered away. And Jesus answering, saith unto him, Have faith in God. Just believe. It's amazing what things God can do. He can even bring back a chicken all night from the foxes. Amen? Right? Great God. Even those little things. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, shall no doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have faith, have whatsoever he saith. I got to tell a story here before I go on to verse 24. I heard this story, and I, I suppose it's true. You know, up north of here is the state of West Virginia, and West Virginia is really mountainous. And there's little pockets of primitive Baptist churches, and there was this one little old lady. And uh, getting to church was becoming more and more difficult for her because the roads were treacherous, especially in the wintertime. And she said, Lord, I want to go to church heart for every Sunday, but it's getting harder and harder. Would you take this mountain away? And you know what the Department of Transportation did? They dug a tunnel through it. Through it. it wasn't answered. You don't think God can do things like that. Yeah, he did it for that little old lady. Isn't that something? He can do great things like that. I think, you know, that, that might be a good time just to come together on a Saturday evening and just share all the great things he's done. Okay, verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. And again, there's context here. If you're sitting there praying, Lord, help me hit the lottery. He's going to say no, right? And we shall stand praying, forgive. If ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Did you know the lack of forgiveness can be a hindrance? It could be a stumbling block to your prayer life. Oh, man. I liked it better when I was the standard. Amen? But not only that, we got to make Jesus the standard. Okay, let me just share a couple more verses here. I want to go back to what Jesus actually did on the cross. Okay, this is one of the things where, where all the finance falls short. You know, I can go back to my banking experience and all that experience, but it just falls short. There's certain things money simply cannot buy. And even if it could buy it, you don't have enough. Okay? And I'm giving you a couple examples of those. We simply cannot buy our eternal salvation. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough good works. We don't have enough good looks. We don't have enough smile. We don't have enough love. We don't have enough forgiveness. We simply don't. We simply are the benefactor of a rich relative that came and paid for the thing that we could not do. And we've got to get that through our I I really believed that, see, growing up in the, the, and I'm not here bashing other people or making fun of, but I really believe Jesus did something on the cross. I wasn't exactly sure what it was, but I know he did something. It took me a long time to figure out that he really did it all. 
because there was always part of me that thought I needed to believe enough. I needed to repent enough. I needed to forgive enough. I needed to do enough good works. Well, I still want to try in those areas of my life, but not to get something to say thank you for what was done. That's why. This is Psalm 49, 6 and 7. It's talking about some folks here. It says, They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. I don't care if you're a multimillionaire. I don't care if you're Elon Musk. You do not have enough money to buy eternal salvation for your children. You might be able to buy Twitter, but you can't buy salvation for your children. You just don't have enough money. Did I say something? I know I'm not technologically savvy. No, no, No reaction on the Twitter comment? Okay, I'll keep on going. All right. Here's David. <clears throat> this is Psalm 51. Remember, he committed a terrible, two sins. He committed adultery and then he covered it up with murder. And this is his repentance prayer. But notice what he says here in verse 16 and 17. He says, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. David was guilty, guilty, guilty. He had no justification. He had no excuses. He couldn't pass the buck. He couldn't share the blame. He couldn't do anything. He says, and there was no sacrifice I could bring to God because if there was, I would do it. He was king of the most wealthy country in the, in the world at that time. He had all kinds of resources. And he said, it wasn't enough. God, that's not what pleased you. He says, thou desires not sacrifice, else I would give it. Not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O oh God, thou wilt not despise. <clears throat> it takes a broken spirit to forgive others. You've got to humble yourself to forgive others. Well, no, they're the ones that are supposed to be humble to say, I'm sorry. No, you're the one that's got to be humble to put away that pride and that anger that's got you all riled up. You've got to realize, I'm humble because I have been forgiven. And because I have been forgiven, I will pass along. I've been forgiven the $10 million debt. I can certainly forgive someone's $1 debt. Amen? Acts 8, 18 and 20. Here's a man named Simon. This isn't the Pharisee we just read about in Luke 7. This is a different Simon. But, but, but he was in a position where he saw, I just want to show you that money cannot buy everything. I think in America, we're, we're all mixed up. We think it can. And we've used it so much, our money's become basically getting less and less worthless. But here's a case where a man saw the apostles doing some miracles. And Simon says, wow, I wish I could do that. And he says to the apostles, can I pay you for that? This is the response. And Simon saw that through the laying of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, and he offered them money. Peter said, thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. There's a lot of things God is willing to give you that money can't buy. Nor can good works. And my last reference is in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. 
For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. You know what it got? It's the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish, without spot. Jesus Christ is the reason why we have salvation. He's our good brother. He's our rich brother. He paid a debt that we could not pay. We didn't have enough money. Besides, money wasn't what God was requiring anyway. He required a perfect sacrifice. So with that being said, I want to go back to our original passage, and let's read the whole passage. I'm going back to Colossians 3. Let me get it for you right there. Okay. I'm going to start at verse 9. Here's three commands, right? There's a command here, kind of a set of commands, 9 to 11. There's another set of commands from 12 to 15. And there's a last set of commands in 16 and 17. Okay. The one I'm focusing on is that middle command, but I want to get the context. All right. Lie not one to another, seeing that thou have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. See all this putting on and putting off, right? Wherefore there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all in all. We're going to talk about forgiveness in a second. And it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, if you're a slave or a slave owner or a master. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, if you got 1,800 letters after your name or you got no letters after your name. This forgiveness deal works the same for everyone. You got it? Okay. Doesn't matter if you grew up in the church all your life or if you've only been here in a couple of weeks. The forgiveness applies to every one of you the same. The second set of commands, 12 through 15. Put on therefore the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. Yeah, but my wife done that seven times this week. <laughs> Chances are she did it one and I did it 15 times. You understand though, right? Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. What you really have to understand is that Jesus truly did pay it all. Not part of it. Not helped out with a monthly installment. Not covered one month for you. Not took you to the end of the year. He, he literally wiped it completely out for you. How often do we do that with our brethren? All I can say is not nearly enough. Okay? Above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God, peace rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called into one body, and be ye thankful. It means church members have to forgive church members. Amen? Even if someone forgot to say hello to you on Sunday. Even if someone sat in your pew spot. Even if someone called out a number before you called out your hymn. Right? I, I know I'm being silly. 
Even if they want the walls purple and you want the walls white, you got to forgive. Okay. Verse 16, let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord, which includes forgiveness. You don't forgive to get. You forgive because you've been forgotten. Giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And just for a second witness, Ephesians 4.32, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. There's your second witness. Pretty important stuff. Important enough to put in the Lord's Prayer. Important enough to be reminded that it'll hinder your prayers. Important enough to put it in the church, in your marriage. And this is something we need to be doing. May the Lord help us do it now. May God bless you. Thank you.